0: Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast, a ministry of Emmaus Bible College. Each episode is taken from a chapel message given here at Emmaus. For more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. He is worthy of our praise, amen? Amen. I love the collective voice, the singing of the people of God, the body of believers, singing all together. It's a wonderful, uh, it's just a wonderful thing to to sing all together, sing praises to the Lord. And when everybody's singing loud, I love to sing loud as well. But the greatest fear, or one of them, is if everybody stopped singing and I was the only one left. And I just did it, just a little bit there. The classic blunder of not waiting for them. A music leader to start the chorus. And I gave a little and I thought, oh boy. Spare everybody, trust me. Uh, well, we've come to our final session of this year's Christian Ministry Seminars. I've had a wonderful time with all of you, uh, getting to know some of you, and I certainly apologize if we didn't get the opportunity to uh, meet or talk. I've included my email address. I asked the guys Uh, to put my email address up there. If you guys have any questions, any thoughts, any critiques, uh, join the club. No. Um, But feel free to email me with any questions or thoughts that you may have. Again, I'm sorry if we didn't get the opportunity to meet. Um, uh, But I sincerely appreciate the hospitality that I've been shown, and I'm really looking forward to going back to our churches and uh, telling them what a wonderful experience it has been here. And we have some... Uh, college-age kids who are looking at at what school that they're going to begin attending, Lord willing, and uh, this will be high on the list, probably number one. And so I just really appreciate the uh, hospitality. I appreciate how welcoming you've all been. And again, just thank you for the opportunity. Uh, So we just read, uh, for the last time, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. And we've been talking about the important biblical doctrine of every member ministry. Every member ministry. In our time together this morning, we talked about the gifts given by the victorious Lord to his church as a whole. He gave the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists and the shepherds and teachers. He gave gifts to the body. Uh, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And the process by which that happens was for the apostles and the prophets to provide new, uh, completely accurate revelation of God, revelation upon which the church would be built. This is the foundation of the church, uh, revelation that was written down for the instruction for, for both uh, past and future generations of believing men and women. Revelation, which was then and continues to be faithfully proclaimed by evangelists, by shepherds and teachers, that's the process by which uh, the members of Christ's body are equipped for the work of the ministry through the faithful proclamation an exposition of the full counsel of God as revealed in his holy and inspired word. That's the process. All right? And then we started in on the purpose. Right? Uh, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Then we left off at the beginning of verse 13 where Paul talked about that blessed unity, right? that sweet unity that will be enjoyed by the members of Christ's body when we arrive with him in glory. And now, in the second part of that verse, we get to dive a bit further into the purpose of being equipped for the ministry and this continued building up of the body. And, and now it's uh, we saw in the positive sense when Paul says, uh, for building up the body of Christ and... Of the knowledge of the Son of God. The knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. See how that word and there connects the two thoughts there? Again, this all revolves around the Word of God. This all revolves around the Word of God. That's your application here. That should have been the title for all my messages. Everything revolves around the Word of God. How do evangelists equip the saints for the word of the ministry? Through the faithful declaration of the word of God. How do shepherds and teachers equip the saints for the work of ministry? Through the faithful faithful exposition of the word of God. Because what is then the result of the faithful exposition and declaration of the word of God? Paul says it's an increase in the knowledge of the Son of God. The more we know the Word of God, the less we will be conformed into the image of this world. And the more we're in the Word of God, the more we will be transformed by the Word of God. Transformed through the renewing of our what? Our minds. That's right. Our minds, which is how we are equipped and the body of Christ is built up. Uh, We read it in, in Peter's second epistle where... Uh, he places emphasis on Paul's writings and verifies that they are indeed inspired scripture. It says, And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks of them in them of these matters. He then tells the believers to be on guard They will not be carried away by the errors of wicked people, but rather that they would grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They would grow in the knowledge and the grace. And that grace, that equipping, that preparation, that growth, that increase in the knowledge of the Son of God comes through the Word of God. This is how he's revealed himself to his people, the scriptures, the God-breathed scriptures, which are profitable for teaching, for reproof, and for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped, equipped for every good work. It says right there in our verse 13, the more we know the word, the more mature we will be. We will be matured to manhood. We will Grow in our knowledge, and when we grow in our knowledge, we will grow in our faith. When we grow in our faith, we will be more Christ-like. We will know more of the fullness of Christ. That's what he's talking about. This is extremely important in any age, but I would venture to say, especially in this age where false teaching abounds, uh, where cults, And false religions seemingly abound. These cults and false religions actively promoting doctrines of demons, even in the name of Christ. And and who gets swayed by these doctrines of demons? Those who are immature. Immature in the faith. The children. Look at verse 14. Uh, He has chosen to equip the saints for the work of the ministry through the faithful exposition of the word of God, right? All these gifts of utterance so that we, Paul includes himself here, so that we would be mature, so that we would no longer, again verse 14, be children. So that we would no longer be children, Tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning. We don't want to be children. Uh, The word is nepias, ne, not pias, able to talk, not able to talk. Uh, One commentator said figuratively, as in this verse, nepias refers to the one who is unlearned, uh, unenlightened, or simple. Paul is referring to the spiritual immaturity of a child as opposed to the relative perfection of a man of the full stature in Christ. We must be matured. We must grow in the faith so that we are not tossed to and fro by every wind and every doctrine. And oh, do we see that today. Oh, do we see it today? Craftiness and deceitful schemes, immature Christians getting carried away by human cunning like little dandelion seeds floating in the wind. But if they are truly his, if they are truly born again, if they're truly regenerate, then it's his will for them to be built up on the foundation of his word, to be mature in the word, to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The text says so that we may no longer be Children. Uh, Paul is talking about spiritual babes here in verse 14. And he uses the analogy of children because children are so easily duped. He says the same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh. As infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Even now you're not ready. You are still of the flesh. He's saying you're not mature. He's saying you're babies. And and therefore, you're extremely vulnerable to the ravenous wolves, even from among, uh, among your own people. Even people within the church. Have you ever played hide and seek with a little child? It's so easy. It's so easy. Or card tricks with a child. It's just so easy to fool them. I remember when we had a family get-together. I was just a boy. I was probably five or six. And I, I walked into a room, and my grandpa was sitting there. And he put his hand like this. And then he put his other hand like this. And he started to go like this with his thumb. And I thought, oh, my word. That was the craziest thing I've ever seen. His thumb just came detached from the rest of his hand. I was in shock. His, his thumb slid all the way down his hand. How does he do that? I said. Uh, it's not that kids are stupid. Okay, I've got a couple. They're not stupid. They just, they just don't have the truth. They haven't been exposed to the truth. They haven't been shaped by the truth. But what happens? We grow up. We, we mature. We mature mentally and physically. We gain knowledge of the reality of the things in this world, or somebody shows us how not to be fooled. And now, if someone tried to pull that these shenanigans on me, I'd say, dude, that's your thumb. That's your other thumb there. What do you think I am, some kind of schmuck? Of course I know that's your other thumb. You see... Uh, just based on life experience, we, we grow and we mature mentally and emotionally, intellectually. But what about spiritually? Are, are we maturing spiritually? What about growing in, in the knowledge of divine truth, in the fullness of Christ, as we just read about? I want you to listen now. This is very serious. Very serious. Who do you think it is that false teachers prey upon? Mature men and women who are a body of, uh, part of a body of mature believers? Uh, do they prey on theologically grounded men and women of the faith? Men and women who are constantly and continually saturating their minds in the divinely inspired, infallible, and inerrant Word of God? Is that who the false teachers go after? No. They prey on the children in the faith. They prey on children in the faith. And again, I'm not talking about kids in the nursery or the Sunday school here. I'm talking about immature believers in the pews. Physical adults, but spiritual toddlers. Uh, infants, as Paul calls them, who aren't saturated and nourished by actual saturated in or nourished by actual biblical truth. That's who they prey upon. As ravenous wolves they prey upon. And it's either done maliciously or intentionally by cults and false religions and the prosperity preachers. Or maybe more prevalent in our current culture, it's done by so called Christian authors and professors and pastors who are oftentimes unknowingly doing damage to the body. They're doing damage to the body of Christ and keeping their people in that childlike condition by not examining the scriptures and faithfully proclaiming them to their flock. Cultural Christians, uh, seeker-sensitive megachurches, who are more concerned with the quantity of people in the seats than they are the quality of their faith, who are more preoccupied with concerns over the empty seats in their auditorium than they are with the people who are currently sitting in them and filling them. And and so what do they do? They dumb down the meaning of the text in uh, hopes of appeasing the world trying to be as much like the world as they can be. They cherry-pick and they twist the scriptures, only preaching the ones they find encouraging or relevant. Sin goes away. Uh, Repentance goes away. Striving for holiness goes away. Blood goes away. Wrath goes away. Judgment goes away. And the people who come into their building and listen to these sermons remain as spiritual infants, never being built up, never being truly edified, multiplied, sure, that type of teaching appeals to the flesh. It scratches itching ears, multiplied, but not edified. Not edified. I love what one preacher said on this. He says, kids don't like to learn about math, so we put a big yellow bird on a screen to entertain them while hoping to increase their knowledge. People don't like the truths of the scripture, so what do we do? We put a big yellow bird behind the pulpit if there even is a pulpit. And we entertain these people to their own destruction. It's a tragedy, really. We must grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. We mature to the fullness of the measure of Christ so that we may no longer be children, so that we may no longer be tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, so that we will not be duped by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. William MacDonald said, immature Christians are susceptible to the grotesque novelties and fads of professional quacks. They become religious gypsies, moving to and fro from one appealing fantasy to another. And you can see it, right? Even in uh, mainstream evangelicalism, uh, the charismatic movement, Jesus culture, uh, some of the musical groups, Bethel, uh, uh, Hillsong to a lesser degree, not all that they do is bad, of course, but they get you in the door with these shiny little objects, they play on your emotions for a bit, some catchy tunes, then come the doctrines of demons calling down fire, uh, repetitious chants and meditations, speaking in unknown tongues, claiming healings, new revelations from God, which are all, always somehow end up benefiting those at the top. Right? And, and I'm not trying to be a downer here, but I want you guys to take this seriously. Nobody likes being lied to. <laughs> Do you like being lied to? It's one of the, uh, the worst things, and yet it happens over and over and over again in evangelicalism and about things that are of utmost importance, eternal significance for everyone in here. We don't just want to take people at their word because they stirred up some emotions during the singing time. Uh, And we're warned repeatedly to be on guard, to watch out for this type of danger. Hebrews 13, 9, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. and, And also warned to avoid these types of people, watch out for these types of people. Jude 12, these are hidden reefs at your love feasts. As they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds, swept away and uh, swept along by winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever, clouds without water they're they're nice and fluffy they look like they're just saturated with moisture they look like they could bring rain down upon you and bring a bountiful harvest and yielding grain but in the end they have no water in them at all and actually they only produce spiritual desert spiritual drought this is why shepherds and overseers in your local congregation are gifts from the Lord to the flock they're gifts And that's why Paul tells them in Acts 20, Pay close, uh, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. I know, he says, that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them from your own flock he says therefore be alert remembering that for 3 years i did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears well what paul is saying here in ephesians chapter 4 is that god has given gifted shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry by by the faithful proclamation of the word of god so that they mature So that they're not swayed by the obvious demonic false teachers and cultists. And not only them, but by by cultural or nominal Christian preachers and influencers. God's purpose of equipping the saints is to grow us out of spiritual infancy. And to protect us from wolves whose ultimate goal it is to separate us from the flock and to tear us into pieces. So uh, there are positive reasons, uh, purposes for equipping the flock, that we would be built up, that we would grow, that we would be united together, we would mature uh, to the measure of the stature and the fullness of Christ. And then there are negative purposes or, or purposes for equipping the flock that are stated in the negative, that we would no longer be children, that we would no longer be swayed or carried by human cunning and deceit. So we've seen the process of equipping the saints and the purpose of equipping the saints. And what is the outcome then? What is the result of equipping the saints for the work of ministry? Here's what the amazing biblical doctrine of every member ministry is all about. We're equipped through the faithful exposition, which allows us to grow and mature so that we're not carried by every wind of doctrine, but rather, verses 15 and 16 tell us, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each heart is working properly, exercising their gifts graciously, given by the Lord, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That's the product. And again, just like in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, he uses this analogy of the body. I can see Dr. Luke sitting with him in that jail cell when he's talking about the body. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's good. Joints, members, growth, that's really good, Paul. Everyone has a body, right? Everyone can understand this. But what's the difference between the bodies of unbelievers and the body of believers? Well, the body of Christ is to be built up in love, which, by his amazing grace, he provides, right? One commentator says this word for love here is the familiar agape, agape which is an unconditional, sacrificial love, which is the love that God is and so describes a divine love. A love which is commanded by God, empowered by His Spirit, activated by personal choice of our will, not based on our feelings toward the object of our love, and manifested by specific actions. Anybody who's been to a wedding over the past 50 years has heard about this kind of love. From 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its own way, it is not irritable or resentful, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, it believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Paul said, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, metaphorically speaking, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Uh, none of this, none of what we're doing here would be of any real lasting value if, if there were not genuine and sincere love behind it. Now, if, if Alex were here, what he'd do is he'd pull out a big pan and a spoon and he'd, he'd bang on it for the next couple of minutes, over and over. And he'd say, Is this annoying? Is this annoying you yet? I'm a spiritual man. Now I'm not going to do that. He'd walk up and down the aisles and everything, but I'd be afraid that I'd trip up the stairs. Uh, so I'm not going to do that. But it's a great illustration. Because that's exactly what it sounds like to, to serve God and teach theological truths about God without love behind it. Uh, it it's annoying. Uh, it, it's just statement of facts, uh, statement of facts, statement of facts. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mystery and all knowledge, if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. I give away all that I have, and I, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. But we do have love, don't we? Uh, we have genuine, authentic love given us by the very source of genuine and authentic love. In, in Romans 5, Paul tells the believers they can rejoice even amidst the greatest sufferings in this life, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Why? Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through His Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. But we have to speak truth, don't we? We have to speak truth. We have to proclaim His Word truthfully, the full counsel of God. Even the parts that are uncomfortable, even the parts that this culture will not like, especially today. We have to proclaim the truth. We have to proclaim it in love. We do so in love and a genuine concern and a genuine compassion for other members of the body. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up In love. How does the body live? The head gives it life. How is the body nourished? How does the the body grow up and not remain stunted like a child? Uh, Through the teaching and the instruction of His holy word, through sound doctrine. It's, It's how we're built up, it's how we grow. It's how we grow up in every way into Him who is the head. How does the church continue to thrive and be healthy and functional? Through the application of sound doctrine. Through the application of that faithful exposition. Uh, The nourished, equipped, and gifted members of the body working together properly. Ministering to one another. It's the responsibility of every single believer to function properly within the body. It's the responsibility of every single member of Christ's body to carry out the instruction given to them by the head, and he gives it to us by the word of God. So you have a responsibility to make sure you're exercising the gift that God's given to you uh, to serve his church, uh, to serve the body of Christ, whether locally or nationally, internationally. This is the will of God for your life. That his love would be made manifest through your remaining time on this earth. This is the will of the head for the body, that we would greet one another, that we would encourage one another, that we would be at peace with one another, and be of the same mind with one another, that we would be kind to one another and tender-hearted to one another, that we would seek good for one another, that we would bear one another's burdens, that we would pray for one another, that we would confess our sins to one another, that we would forgive. One another, that we would love one another. All for the building up of the body. Paul says in Galatians 5, we are to serve one another. By the way, that word there is used as slave. Slaving one another. We are to act as slaves to one another, minister to one another. We have been given the Holy Spirit to serve, not for self edification. We're not given these gifts to edify ourselves or build up ourselves, we were made to serve. Jesus said, I came among you to serve. The greatest among you, he said, is your servant. Uh, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to what? But to serve. And what's the best way to do that today? Not by watching from the sidelines or only coming on game day. But, but it's by being with one another, fellowshipping with one another, following the example of our Lord and serving one another. And just as he has served all of us, just as he has served all of you in love, all by his grace and for his glory. Is that true of you this evening, my brothers and sisters? Is that true of you? Are you a member of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ? If so, this text is for you. It's it's universal in application. It's it's of monumental significance for everyone who belongs to him. Are you serving your local body? Are you serving your local church? Because there are ways, there are practical ways to carry out God's will and design for your life in the church. Uh, Approach your pastors. Go to your elders. Ask them how you can get involved. And Ask them how you can serve your local body. If they say they have it all taken care of, show them this section of Scripture in Ephesians 4. If they still don't allow you to exercise your gifting for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body, then you need to go somewhere where you can. Okay? There are whole organizations that have been even here over these past couple of days, whole ministries, opportunities to get involved serving the bodies. Follow up with them. Uh, Reach out to them. Talk with them. Get involved with one of them. And don't always uh, always expect people, someone to approach you, though, and provide you with ministry opportunities. It won't always be like this, where where you'll have all these ministries coming to you. You're going to have to get out and uh, take initiative. Pray. Ask the Lord where, where he might have you. Be a part of the body. Be around the body. Uh, there's nothing as important as your interaction with and participation in the body. To be united with the body. To be equipped with the body. To exercise your gifting within the body. To rely on other members of the body and to glorify the Lord alongside those in the body. And ultimately, that's the product. That's the result. All of the glory goes to him, which is exactly how it should be, as the head causes the body to build itself up in love. And it's a love that's unlike anything else in this fleeting and corrupted, cursed earth. It's an agape love. It's a steadfast love, a covenantal love, a loyal love, a faithful love. It's a redeeming love. It's an an eternal love, which can only come from the true source of love, which is God himself. who graciously extends the steadfast love to those who belong to him. So I'd encourage you to walk in that love. My brothers and sisters, without that love, it's it's all for nothing. It's in vain. So I would encourage you, I would exhort you this evening to devote the rest of your earthly lives to extending that type of love to your fellow members of the rest of the body of whom God has made you each a minister. Okay? Now I would kick myself if I left here today without again asking you if, if you have been saved by the amazing grace of the Lord. I want to be uh, crystal clear that those who are called of God are not called based on anything we do or what we do not do. I want you to recognize the sovereign will of the Lord on display this evening, okay? You are right here this very evening. He is sovereignly preordained from before the foundations of the earth to have you in this place at this time hearing this gospel message. To to hear that same offer of repentance and reconciliation we've spoken about has been made available to you. Uh, to hear that there is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son, precious Lamb of God Messiah, the Holy One. But Jesus, our Redeemer, the name above all names, the precious Lamb of God Messiah, was oh for sinners slain. That's the good news of the gospel. The the Apostle Paul recognized this, which is why he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Not everyone who gets circumcised, not everyone who goes to the temple three times a day, not everyone who faces Mecca five times a day, not everyone who counts the little beads on the rosary, not everyone who confesses to a priest, not everyone who does this good work or that good work, but everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The purpose of the gospel is that he might reconcile a sinful people to himself for all of eternity, where he will receive all of their praise and all of the glory, all the, all the honor and the majesty that so rightly do his name. And so I would ask you again, are you one of those? Are you a child of God? Are you a redeemed child of God? If you will be among the multitudes of those who will share in the eternal joys and the eternal glories of His Son, if you are one of those who has been redeemed and purchased, bought with a price... If you have been crucified to this world, if you have died to this world but have been raised and made to be alive together with Christ, are you one of those who's going to be singing his praises, singing of his glorious name for 10,000 times 10,000 years? I would ask you if you are, you are among those who will spend eternity with him in the new heavens, and the new earth, rejoicing over what has been done for you through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the saving work of his Son. If you're not absolutely sure that you are one of the called men or women of God, I would invite you this evening to turn from your sin. Turn from your sin. Turn from your rebellion. Turn from your hatred of your creator. And turn to him through Christ. I would invite you to ask him to cleanse you, to wash you of your sin to to wash you pure as snow in the shed blood of his son to forgive you of your sinning against him i would invite you to cry out to him plead with him to send his holy spirit to indwell you to control you to mature you to give you strength and the desire to comprehend the magnificent magnificent truths of his word and then obey him for the rest of your life here on earth i want to Invite you this evening to be saved. Saved from the wrath of God and saved to eternity, eternal life in his presence forever. Jesus bids you come to him tonight. He said, come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. He said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep who are not of this fold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. Can you hear the voice of the good shepherd this evening? Can you hear his voice through his proclaimed word? If you can hear him, then come to him. Come to him. Tonight. Behold, today is the appointed time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. Do you believe? Do you believe this evening? Are you resting in these truths tonight? If if not, I would urge you uh, to call out to him tonight. Thankful to be here. I'm thankful for all of your time. And uh, I will be praying as I head back to Colorado. But uh, again, I just sincerely appreciate the hospitality and all the love that you've shown me Uh, over these past couple of days. Would you please pray with me? And then we'll have the team come up and lead us in one more song. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much again just for this time together. We thank you for the amazing truths that you've revealed to us in your text about every member ministry and that you have by your grace alone and for your glory alone Given us these gifts to equip all of us for the work of the ministry. We thank you so much, most of all, for the Holy Spirit, whom you've poured out into our hearts uh, by faith alone uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. We're just so grateful to be your redeemed children of God, and we give you all the praise and all the glory. I pray for everyone here, Lord, that uh, you would make it clear to them what their role is in the body and that you would. Bring glory to your name by how uh, you would have them serve you. And we just, again, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Chapel Messages podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu slash partner.